Hello, and welcome to Once More with Commentary. We are a Buffy and Angel podcast. Uh, I'm Ginny. I'm Allie. And this week we're talking about Goodbye uh, Iowa for Buffy, and I've Got You Under My Skin for Angel. Mm-hmm. Those are, they were in, interesting episodes. <laughs> well, I feel like Angel was certainly a lift up from the last one. Yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that was a low bar to clear, though. It was. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I've as with all of so far in this season of Angel, like I've definitely got my qualms, but it was definitely a better one of the better ones I think that they've done so far. Yeah. Um, and goodbye, Iowa. I am. I'm excited to talk about it, but it definitely feels more to me like kind of a filler episode. You know, like we were talking last week about like we hit the midpoint of the season. So and now this is like the fallout of the midpoint of the season. So it's a lot of setup and dealing with dealing with the things that happened in the last episode and also setting up where the rest of the season is going to go. And I don't think it totally escaped that feeling. You know, I always kind of want to look at this, the, and I always forget to do this, but the broadcast schedule, like mm-hmm. to kind of get a sense of which of these episodes were technically like sweeps episodes and which ones were just sort mm. of um, there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't know really know where this one would fall. What do you mean? Well, like, you know how it, it might have been more of a thing on like the main broadcast networks, mm-hmm. but they have like sweeps like during like February and then like like May leading up to the finales mm-hmm. and then like in the fall like so it's like this it's always your episodes with like cliffhangers and like mm. drama and like big like plot moves forward and then but because you've got 22 episodes usually like the weeks that aren't considered like sweeps or whatever that's where mm-hmm. you get your like kind of like weaker episodes yeah. and like you know the weaker stuff but you know I actually did I know that word but I don't think I actually knew what that meant <laughs> interesting like I, I always I always view of it in the context of, like, it was always a really big deal for, like, you know, sitcoms and, like, Mm -hmm. um, certain networks definitely, like, advertised it more than others, I think. But I think the WB subscribed to that, like, model. That would make sense. So I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that, like, this was probably part of a set of that because of the timing of the episodes. Like, Mm. 13, 14 would be, like, like you're saying, like, the midpoint, but... February, May, July, November... Sorry, I'm doing some quick Googling. Oh, yeah, this but happened I, in February. Okay. Yeah, but I also would assume that maybe this is the ramp up to it, and then actually the next two episodes were the sweeps episodes. Because yeah, that would yeah that would make more sense to me. It seems like that was a big time when they were collecting ratings for Nielsen. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Ugh, Nielsen. Yeah. Uh, I, won't get into that. <laughs> I won't get into that. <laughs> Something that's um, finally almost dying, but still manages to plague my TV uh, habits. And ruin things that are ruin good. Ruin things. It's ruined so many of my favorite things. Uh, that said, it's also probably preserved a lot of my favorite things, because sometimes it's for the best when shows get canceled. Yeah, but However I think Nielsen's broken my heart more than it's like done anything well, good that's for true. me. So. Trophy wife enlisted. Man. Yeah. That was the um, year, I'm sure we've talked about this a little bit. Did you bit. just say enlisted? Because yes. that's the one I was going to say, the, too. That and, like, year, trophy wife. And, no, that's um, the first I, The first thing I said was trophy suburgatory. wife. Suburgatory. <laughs> I didn't, yes. sorry, I didn't hear it. And suburgatory. That, uh, I think, was the year that I, like, officially had to be like, you need to take a, a step back yes. from network television oh. because I can't go through that heartbreak again. <laughs> I think like, that was even, the last year I got really invested in new same, shows. Same. And, like, ever since, I was just like, you know, I want to see were, what happens. They were also so good. Like, I've forgotten about them but like 
Oh, man. That was a rough year. Sometimes I think about that scene in (laughs) Trophy Wife when Diane is talking about how she only indulges in red wine and cacao above 75%. (laughs) And I, like, will, like, literally crack myself up on the street, like, just thinking about that. And I'm like, how does this show not still exist? It's so unfair. Yeah. And Bert and, like... Bert Bert is in um, Fresh Off the Boat now, though, so he's... Landed oh, so he's a doing bit. okay. He still looks like a baby, though. I was like, is that... I thought I was just mixing it up, and I was like, maybe it's not the same kid, but it totally is. But he still looks like a baby. I think I thought he was older in Trophy Wife than he actually was, though. My heart is broken all over I again. I know. He was so cute. Anyway. But, Jimmy, before we get more into Buffy stuff, I think myself and perhaps others are wondering, what did you think of Phantom of the Opera? Oh, well... Okay, yeah, I guess I mean, I, was... I know the answer to this question, but... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk about this. No, I oh, guess did I didn't... ruin your pop no, culture? No, you didn't, because I hadn't actually okay. really committed one way. I had a couple of thoughts, but you're right. We should just talk about it. So I assume I said this on last week's episode that uh, my parents <laughs> were here. And so um, it was a really great visit. We got a lot done, and we did a lot of cool things. And one of the things that we did was go see Phantom of the Opera, and I... Yeah, you also may recall that when we were talking about it, I think I was not super excited about it. I kind of thought I was going to hate it, is what I'm trying to say. I don't know. The Phantom of the Opera kind of has this place in pop culture where it's like, I think it's kind of tinged with like sad, nice guys who feel, you know, I don't know. That was kind of what was ruining it for me before I saw it was like, oh, I don't know. It just kind of has this association with like tortured geniuses who think women owe them something. (laughs) There is an element of that, but it's not as egregious. No, and so I just kind of, that that was one thing. And the other thing is that, like, I don't know when I found this out. I, my my family, other than Disney, did not listen to musicals. I'm not up to speed still on the, like, the kind of the basics or, like, whatever. And so a few, must have been a year or two ago that somebody was singing along to Phantom of the Opera or, like, hummed it for me. And then they were like, oh, yeah, you know, and the words go, like, just like the main chorus is the Phantom of the Opera. And like every time I hear that, I'm like, really, man? I don't know. That seems pretty dumb. That's like what I would have if if no one had ever told me the words to that. And I was like, oh, I guess it's just if I were just like messing around, like that's what I would have said. Like, oh, Phantom of the Opera. Like that's what I would have done as like a joke. And I was like, oh, those are really the words? Like, I don't know, Andrew Lloyd Webber, maybe you're a hack. I'm not convinced that he's not a hack, but... I am convinced that it was a great musical and it was a really, it was really fun to see it live. I, we listened to it a little bit before we went to go see it, which I am deciding more and more is a good strategy with musicals because there is always something that you're going to miss on the stage. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if the speakers aren't just right, or if you're not in the right, you know, if you blink away for a second, it's like a, it's a little bit harder to follow along when people are singing, I think, than in a movie or something. Um, so I'm glad that we listened to a little bit of it ahead of time, but it was also, I legitimately didn't know how it ended. And so, like, leading up to that, I was like, man, this is really, like, I don't know what's going to happen. And it was so exciting and, like, really cathartic. Um, but, yeah. So, so you never watched the, the movie that no, came out I didn't. You, like, 10 years ago or whatever? Nope. Okay. Um, um, I kind of want to now just to see it. But um, I'm really excited that you liked it because this is everything that I – say I mean, about it is like yeah. it is cheesy it, it is. is like a thing but it's also visually fun to watch it like, was super fun to see you know, it and, yeah. and in a theater you know they're doing like a, effects on the stage and stuff and it's just cool like they did a really great great job it has I think more so than some of the other more modern musicals that I've listened to it like real I don't know like they do kind of sing opera in it you know because they're staging little operas within the play and then like I don't know just some of the singing like they were really great singers like it 
was hard not to enjoy it. But yeah, it's also really emotional. And as much as what I'm, again, we'll see as I go further into the oeuvre of Andrew Lloyd Webber, I do kind of think he's, I don't know. I don't know that he's quite like the genius level that I think maybe some other people might be, but um, I do really love cheesy things. You know, like we're doing a whole show about Buffy. Like that is a, it did scratch a sort of itch for me in that way too. So I I guess I'm a little bit also like, yeah, Jenny, of course you're going to love this. It's like a cheesy thing that's kind of creepy. Like what were you expecting? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so I texted Allie and a bunch of other people about it after, well, not a bunch, a couple people after I saw it. And then I couldn't stop singing it for like three or four days. Well, that's the problem with Phantom because like you were just telling me that you were going and like literally for the entire rest of the day, I had like think of me in my head and wouldn't leave. (laughs) That is a good song. I mean, they're all good songs. And I did, I really, really liked the ending. I think it made it, like I was saying, like I was worried. I don't, like I kind of don't want to spoil it for people if they've magically, like me, don't know how it ended. But at the same time, this is a 30-year-old musical, musical, so go look it up. (laughs) (laughs) But like I was worried, you know, like I was saying, kind of, I I think in my life that it did kind of have this tinge of nice guy TM, you know, like, oh, this attitude that the Phantom is this tortured genius who can't get a girl because he's just ugly. And it's like kind of the first half of the story is kind of like that. And I think in the, particularly in the musical, you know, it's based off of a book. I think the musical doesn't go that deep into his background. So it is, it does come off a little bit more shallow, I think, or like a superficial reason of like DG's Phantom, like, why can't you just get over it? Um, but at the end, there's this whole showdown because the woman that he's in love with is trying to marry some other guy and he's like jealous and he kidnaps her and blah, 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 blah. But at the end that she like saves him, she saves the day by like showing him a moment of compassion. And I think that that is a nice thought that again, kind of dovetails with like the things that I, I think that we talk about what we like with Buffy is sometimes it's not always about like just being the bad. I don't know. It is a very feminine way to win the day. And I liked that. I was like, yeah. oh, this whole time everyone's trying to shoot him, everyone's trying to do whatever. And what he really needed to feel some catharsis himself was to actually feel a moment where somebody was showing him compassion or love or some version of it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I, I know I agree with a lot of that. So anyway, um, sorry, I didn't I, mean to go off about this. I didn't prepare my remarks. It's been a while since I've like seen the end of. <sighs> well, it's yeah. nice. I mean, it's not nice. It's terrible. A lot of terrible things happen, and it's a very sad musical, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. But the chandelier comes down from the ceiling. It's very cool. That so. was exciting, and I w- was glad we weren't sitting in the orchestra, because I think it would have freaked me out. <laughs> um, so I went to a concert last night okay. in the rain. <laughs> okay. Why, would, did, why was it outside? I managed to not get pneumonia, so I think that was successful. Where was the venue that it was outside? Uh, it was the Greek Theater at Berkeley, um, hmm. which is just like an outdoor amphitheater. Okay. So when the weather's nice, it's amazing to go to a concert there. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we've had like our third atmospheric river thing mm-hmm. happening of the year. So um, it was like just dumping rain last night. Mm-hmm. Um, but the concerts happen like rain or shine. Okay. Um, and I was going to see Haim. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, with uh, former podcast guest Jordan. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And, um, like, the best thing, though, was, like, I had bought a poncho, like, a year ago for Smart. the Women's March that yeah. I didn't end up using. But I was like, oh, <laughs> this will come in handy 
<laughs> and I was like totally fine the entire time because I just had a poncho on like everyone else and yeah. like, you know, brought an umbrella to like donate because I was like, you had to like surrender your umbrella before mm-hmm. you went in and they that were like, sense. oh, you can get them back. It's like on the honor system. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to pick one that I don't care about. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it was a, you know, it was just like one of those things where you're going in and you're like, I really want to do this, but like, it's going to be more of an experience than I planned on. Mm-hmm. So, but it was fun and they were really into it and like really excited. Cause I guess we were like their biggest show ever yet. Oh, wow. So, I mean, like they've opened for like I Taylor think- Swift, but like, you know, huh. for them, I think it was their biggest show and they're just really delightfully like dorky sister, okay. sister like act, you know, like they're mm-hmm. like interacting with each other and like with the crowd. And I felt like the crowd interactions were really well done. Okay. And I think I had previously on one of my pop culture recommendations talked about them, especially they did a cover of Shania Twain. Oh. (laughs) Which they sang. And they also updated the lyrics and it was delightful because I was like, oh, you're singing That Don't Impress Me Much, but now you're talking about like a Tesla and Timothy Chalamet. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, this is great. (laughs) Um, you know, and everybody else is like, it's a bunch of high college students all around us, but I see. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good time. So. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we've covered our musical bases. Yeah. So we've sort of done our (laughs) pop culture recommendations up front, I guess. I I guess. I I feel like that was already one that I don't know if I'm ready to call that my pop culture recommendation. It was more of like what I did this week, I guess. Okay. You're right. We did, but we definitely had a theme. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And we should get into Buffy. <laughs> uh, should we? Have we talked for 20 minutes yet? <laughs> almost. Uh, almost. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's just get into Goodbye, uh, Iowa. I think kind of like we said, this is sort of like fallout from the last episode and set up for the rest of the season. So specifically, you know, in the last episode, Professor Walsh tried to have Buffy killed and then also was killed herself by Adam, this like creature that she and the one of the initiative doctors had been building. So at the beginning of this episode, Buffy is kind of filling in all the Scoobies about what happened. And since they're worried now that the whole initiative is going to come after her and all of them, they kind of go into hiding for a little bit. Um, Meanwhile, Riley, you know, is, is starting to unravel a little bit. He eventually shows up at Giles's apartment and is like, kind of crazed and Buffy tells him oh Professor Walsh tried to kill me but he really doesn't know what to believe um he also sees Spike there and recognizes him as Hostel 17 it's like clear that Buffy is not killing him so I think you know the seeds of doubt are kind of getting sown on both sides Buffy doesn't know if Riley was in on this plot to kill her and Riley doesn't really understand what Buffy and the Scoobies are doing if part of what they're doing is harboring vampires Um, so I think the episode just kind of takes off from there. Riley finds out that Professor Walsh was murdered. You know, his friend Forrest is now, I guess, just committed to hating Buffy and kind of suggests that maybe she had something to do with it or she did it with a stake, even though we know that it was Adam. Um, we also find out that one of the reasons that Riley and some of the other initiative members are unraveling so much is that the initiative has been feeding them some sort of drugs or body altering chemicals in their food. And since professor Walsh has died, they're not getting their same regular feed of it. Um, so he starts going through withdrawals, <laughs> which is pretty painful. Um, he eventually, I think Buffy, he and Buffy kind of, he has this showdown with Buffy at Willie's 
bar where he again sees Buffy kind of cavorting casually with demons, um, which he doesn't really understand. But eventually she talks him down and they decide to eat. They try to help him go through the withdrawals in um, Xander's basement. Um, while meanwhile, Buffy and Xander break into the initiative to try and figure out what exactly is going wrong with Riley, because at this point it's clear that it's more than just like grief and emotions, that there's something physically wrong with him. Um, so they break into the initiative to try and figure that out. Um, and I skipped over a little bit about Adam, but we'll get back to that in a second. Anyway, they don't, I don't, they have, Adam breaks back into the initiative as well, Adam. And then Riley has broken out of his, you know, Xander basement and they all kind of have this big confrontation. Um, and at the end of it, the initiative takes Riley and puts him in the hospital. Is that exactly what happened there at the end? Yeah, because Adam stabs Riley, so right, right, right. They take him away to like get treated. Te- I guess get him treated and also like treat his withdrawal symptoms. Right. Um, but basically, it's also like you know, no one really trusts Buffy being there. Like she's no one not, in the initiative does. Yeah, yeah. Like they're very clearly saying this is like for the military only, even though they like just inducted her. But like I know. I I guess what I I guess why I'm I think Riley is starting to trust her. Because he's clearly seeing, like, he, you know, even from the beginning, right, like, well, we can get into that in a second. Um, Anyway, so that's more or less the gist of it. Also, since Adam escaped from the initiative at the beginning, this is the part that I forgot to say, and murdered a small child. So there's also kind of this, like, Buffy and the initiative and Riley are all, they think that it's the Polgara demon that they hunted down a few episodes ago because that was the piece of, like, he used the Polgara demon arm to kill the boy. Um, and also Professor Walsh and eventually the initiative doctor whose name I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so that's going on. And also Willow and Tara again, kind of have their little background story going on where they are performing more spells. But interestingly, this time when they're performing a spell, Tara, uh, you know, secretly sabotages the spell that they're doing, which is something that's going to help them find what they think is the Polgara demon. So, and can I just say about that little scene that, Mm -hmm. One of my favorite things about this show is that they let things kind of simmer for a really long time. Yeah. And we never really get clarification on why Tara does yeah. that until, like, next season. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and again, there's the whole buildup with their relationship. I mean, I think they're getting, a, they're starting to get a little sloppy and heavy-handed with the, like, metaphors of witchcraft for being lesbians. But the, I do find the rest of that very charming still and believably, like, slow-paced and... I like all. Anyway, I guess I don't remember what the answer is for why Tara did that. Um, do, do you want me to tell you? No, because I think, I think we could talk about it even just in the context of this episode. Yeah, it's just um, because the spell that they're doing, remember, is to try to find the demons. So like, oh, the, you're the right. Will, like, you're show right. Where, you're right. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting, though, because not knowing, I, I remembered what you're talking about, but even not knowing that, I think, again, it also still fits in the context of, like, Tara and Willow's relationship, where Tara is always going to be the more conservative one who's trying to make sure that Willow doesn't go too far. I think it would also work on that level. Yeah, I mean, because there we do get the part before that where she's asking whether that's something that they're ready that, for, like, right. that kind of spell and all of that. But I think... It's supposed to be a little bit of both, at least yeah. based on like my knowledge of like where that goes. Yeah. But um, no, it's it's good. I, I I do enjoy like you know it's 
again, I'm always looking for hints where Willow's like trying yeah. to do too much <laughs> with magic. And this is an example where she's like really charging ahead because like, and her attitude around it is like really problematic, right? right? Like yeah. she's like, this is beneath us. Like, right. Because I actually think this is a, an appropriate use of magic, you know, given absolutely the, sh- yeah. the context of the show and stuff. But uh, you're right that it's like, even when she's doing something that does make sense, she's got a pretty heavy attitude about it. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, talk about slow burn. That'll pay off in a couple seasons. Yeah. <laughs> I am also um, starting to enjoy Tara's performance more now. I think as I, I've kind of mentioned that I don't love the way that um, Amber Benson I I don't know. I think she's got some problems in the first couple episodes that she's in and even in in this whole season in general, but I liked her a lot in this episode. I thought she was very charming and a more believable, like shy and withdrawn person rather than kind of like a, like a over the top version of that for TV. Or maybe it's that we're supposed to think that she's like getting more on Willow. Yeah. That's probably part of it too. I mean, I agree with you. I thought the first, um, couple times she's on scene is like a parody of like do a shy person yeah you know but um no she's it's like she's relaxing into the show and the character as well mm-hmm. I, I I like it I don't really know where else I want to start here I guess I think we should start with Riley okay I have a lot of questions about Adam I don't have any answers about Adam but I got a lot <laughs> of questions about him but I'm more interested I think you know kind of the title of the episode in this whole episode is a lot about Riley starting to deal with the with the with the fallout of of what we know to be true about the initiative which is that they're not as innocent at least this sect of them you know like they're not as innocent they're not straight up good guys and that's Riley has clearly spent his his career or his you know much of his life believing that he didn't need to ask questions because he was doing the right thing so I mean I feel like Riley comes off of this episode seeming extremely naive like you know you are working for the military, yeah. so you have to assume there's some ulterior objective or it's not all, like, goodwill, you know. They're always going to have larger goals in mind, and, like, he seems extremely naive not to even want to entertain that thought. Like, no, I, that's not what we do here, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. it's like, I mean, how I would guess you I assume ag- that they wouldn't? Like, I agree with you, but I'm really sympathetic to his position because I think it's also... You're right to some extent, but he's also like seen, you know, he appears to be one of the ranking members. You know, he's pretty high up. He's not the highest, obviously, but like clearly he and Professor Walsh were very close. I think he expected that he would know a little bit more if this stuff were true. And more importantly, I think, yes, he might have known that overall the initiative had maybe there were questions that he didn't want the answers to or that he was okay not knowing the answers to, but that it seems as though they were willing to kill his girlfriend is like also pretty far. You know, I think there's a difference between like, well, I don't totally know exactly what they're working for. And oh, and in the span of one day, they were willing to just murder my girlfriend because she asked one too many questions is like kind of a like, I can see how that would be like, well, that's not exactly what I thought we were doing here. I mean, you're right in that he I I do feel like he is coming across as a little naive, but it is true like that he would be like, like he's he says he's the highest ranking person until the like the higher ups get right. there or something, which implies that he's extremely high up in this organization, mm-hmm. like probably the top ranking like combat field right. member. Right. Um, so maybe you're right. Like maybe it's more about the shock of like finding out that he wasn't as in the loop as he thought he was. You know, and the other thought that I'm having is that uh, it's he's also I think what we're going to see at the end of this season and a little bit further beyond is that a lot of the problem, a lot of the things 
a lot of this is Professor Walsh specifically and not the initiative larger. You know, like these, that 314 Adam is her pet project. That other doctor was in on it, but it seems as though no one else really was. You know, it's not that we know that the initiative is part of the government or the army or something, but those guys don't come in later and are like, yep, this is what we wanted you to be doing. You know, like she was going off book. So, and she was the one that wanted to murder Buffy. So it is also tough for Riley, I think, because like, I don't think because he was so out of the loop, he can't, I don't think distinguish between, well, which part was the whole goal the whole time. And Versus, oh, was this just Walsh kind of going, well, not kind of, going way too far. (laughs) Well, and it has to feel like a personal betrayal if that's the case because he was so close to her. And 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 then probably he's feeling some guilt, too, about, like, he really pushed Buffy to, like, come in. Yeah. You know, basically it led to, like, Professor Mm -hmm. Walsh trying to kill her. And that's got to be confusing. Plus, Um, all all of that is going on while he does find out that his girlfriend is socializing with demons. Like yeah. she is doing those things and whether or not she has good reason for it. I do. I, I understand why he's shocked to just walk in there and see some of them harboring a demon. Like that's not, un, it's not crazy for him to think, have those kind but, of reactions. Like he has run into Spike before in this context. And like, that's this true. is the first time he actually recognized him as hostile. Well, 17. that's true. Like, okay. That was the one part I had a hard time swallowing. Like, it's convenient for you now for the show to, like, get mad about this. But, like, he was literally there at the apocalypse thingy. And, like, I don't know. I But maybe it's because they were just hunting for him. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. I'm willing to kind of let that slide. But, yeah. But, but, so I want to talk about, like, we were, like, you were saying maybe it's more that, like, finding out about all the stuff Professor Walsh was up to you. Mm -hmm. And it does seem like kind of like a personal betrayal on that level but I I think it's really interesting because there's this line that Riley draws right where like he was really close to Professor Walsh and you know her death is really shocking to him and it Mm -hmm. kind of throws him in addition to like the withdrawal symptoms and then finding out that he's been being pumped full of chemicals and all this stuff but yet he's not willing to go along when Adam at the end is saying she made you she's your mother and Mm -hmm. Riley's very adamantly like that's not what this was like yeah you know this is like he's not willing to draw the same conclusions there where Adam was right maybe it's because like I mean he wasn't Adam saying like she made him but like the context of like how she made him versus Adam is very different like she quite literally made Adam and and he and Adam is saying she more like took Riley and built him up into Mm -hmm. what he is but but I, I find it's interesting like he's his loyalty to professor walsh doesn't go that far right so as much as he is naive he's also i think got his head on straight you know i yeah and again like i said i i guess i there wasn't really anything that riley did in this episode that i didn't totally understand where he was coming from because also factoring in the like withdrawal symptoms on top of all of these really really life-changing revelations about both your uh, mentor and your girlfriend is like it is a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. I guess at the end of the day, I think he handles this as well as anyone could. Well, and it's really tough because I feel like, you know, we, we don't really hear from Riley on this, but we do hear from Buffy where she's saying like, it's already a little too late for her to just kind of let Riley go. Like, right. Right. You know, she's and like, she's too personally involved at this point. Where right. like, I mean, they're having really tense exchanges in this episode, but at no point are they ever like, well, we're going to break right. up over yeah. this. Like they're just yeah. too far in. And, and I think that that is, as we've talked about, that's the thing that they've done really well in this season, I think is set up their relationship because me as a viewer, I also feel the same way. I'm like, well, I'm not willing yeah 
yeah. for you to just let him go. I like Riley. <laughs> right. Like, whereas, like, if this was more of a surface level, like, three episode buildup yeah, and this just, led to a breakup, we'd be like, okay. But, like, I'm watching this and at no point am I ever considering the fact that, like, oh, they're just going to break up over this. Exactly. Because, like, yeah, it you're, doesn't you're feel, too invested in, like, the yeah. foundation of this. So Totally. Um, which I think is good. I mean, because then when we start to see, I mean, like we've seen, that's why some of the, like the hard turns in this episode really kind of like hit you kind of hard. Like, you know, Forrest has right. been, I think oh, last I week I called this. him yeah. like the misogynist mouthpiece. Uh-huh. Like he's really, they've done some like horrible things with his character. Yes. But he also has kind of been this cheerleader the entire time for Riley. Like, you know, maybe not like go out and get yourself a serious girlfriend, but he recognizes Riley's crush on Buffy mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, encouraging him. And, you know, seems until Buffy comes in and starts to kind of like step on his toes a little bit, yeah. he seems really on board, which is why now when he's like all of a sudden saying, well, it's probably Buffy killing all these people. And yeah. Like, I don't know. Demon's a demon. And like, it just seems like a pretty hard shift for Forrest. It That's does. a little jarring, but it's also kind of like, okay, if he's going through the same withdrawal as Riley. Right. Then That's maybe not so I understand it, but yeah. also some of it seems like it's kind of been building up for a while. Like it's just his jealousy over. Buffy, I think so I think. too. And yeah. and the other interesting thing though is that I as again as much as I like I know that ultimately Forrest is wrong, but he's not wrong to say, "Hey Riley." Because that's what Buffy's friends are saying to her about Riley is like, "Hey, you don't really know where this guy's coming from. Or are you sure that he wasn't involved?" And so to have Forrest, you, you know, I think they try and depict it like it's something evil that he's saying, but truthfully, Riley also needs to question who Buffy is and where, yeah. you know, what their motives are. It's clear that even though they've kind of let each other in on what they're doing on their secret identities, there's so much that they still don't know about each other because they just haven't been together long enough. So I, I guess I, I, mean, I do feel like that scene didn't quite do Forrest justice because they're trying to, to frame it as though he's saying something really awful about doubting Buffy. But the truth is that they do need to ask that question. I think. They do. And I mean, and it's, you're right in that it's kind of mirroring what Willow was saying in the last mm-hmm. episode of like, what do we really know about the initiative? Well, and Giles and, like, and Willow at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Like everything they're saying so about like, they asked, and They like, asked specifically if Riley could have had anything to do with this, you know, and Buffy yeah. had to say like, well, no, of course not. And then she kind of has to like, well, I guess I don't really know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she knows it because she, because of her feelings, but she doesn't really have proof. And and I I love that it's Spike who has to kind of point this out to her when he's like going off on her like bad taste in men and yeah. she hasn't even considered that Riley would be involved in this. Right. Right. And everybody else is kind of like, well, you have to at least consider the possibility right. that he was I mean, this is the organization he's a part of, but I do like that they very clearly make that I mean, we know that he wasn't involved. Of course. But, you know, I, I like that they very clearly establish for everyone else that Riley like didn't know what mm-hmm. was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course Spike is going to point that out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess the thing that bugs me though, just about the initiative, it's like, I, I'm going to know that this is just the result of what they need to do in TV, but like, you know, Giles has this line about like, well, it's almost impenetrable then, (laughs) impenetrable there, but like they break in so easily. Also Adam broke out and nobody even noticed except for the doctor. I mean, I guess like he was the only one who knew he was in there, but it still seems like someone should have noticed him leaving. I don't know. Do they not have cameras set up? Are they not reviewing security tapes? Like, what is going on there? <laughs> I think what happened was, because it's the way he, like, comes and goes again, I think he's, like, only two people knew that he was even in 314, right? Like, they only only two people knew he that he He has existed. to leave that room in order to get out yeah. of there. Well, no, because he went through the air vents. Oh. Like, that's what they said. And so I think that's why he okay. comes out that weird back entrance. And, like, he just... might be the only one who knows that's there. 
But I guess like, it just really makes their facility seem not secure. Also, that Buffy's pa- the whole trick to getting Xander in is just, oh, don't stand in front of the mirror while scanning my eyes. Yeah. But, oh, I, I mean, you that's decide, anyone can I come think, in with me. Because I think later we see how kind of impenetrable it can, it can be. And I think, like, having Adam leave for the air vents works because Adam knows that they're there, but, like, no one else really knows, like, I just think they that should this know. Thing even exist, so they're yeah. not looking for like random air tunnels to enter. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I'm kind of willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that, although it does seem like people I, are coming and going. I guess that's what easily. I'm saying. It's not only the Adam thing; it's the Adam thing and Buffy and Xander breaking in pretty easily. It's like, well, okay, <laughs> you guys aren't watching anything here, but that's fine, 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 fine. I guess I want to talk about Adam. Yeah, no, let's talk about Adam. I'm, I. You know, he's, I've said this before, that he's not my favorite. I, I appreciate what they're attempting to do with him, but I feel like they end up trying to make him fit so many different ideas and different metaphors that he just doesn't end, end up really working on any of them. Because, like, I guess what I am debating in this episode is, like, is Adam smart? Is it really seems like they want us to think he's a super genius, but like some, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, but they're trying so hard to reference Frankenstein that it's like, they make him have this sort of silly conversation with a child. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Why is he immediately murdering everybody? It, I don't know. I don't understand why he's well, doing the like, things that Because he's doing. I think everyone's referring to him differently, right? Like mm-hmm. Adam's referring to himself as merely curious. Like I want to know. Sure who that boy was and I want to know what he was and I want to know what I am. And then, but because it manifests as like murdering people and also because he also just outright murders Professor Walsh That's and the, the doctor for like no apparent Those reason. Those are the ones that are like, yeah, they don't, that doesn't really mesh with like those, his stated exactly. claim of like curiosity. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, I would buy either one of those actions, but together they don't make any yeah. sense. <laughs> and then Buffy, and then Buffy referencing him as like, you know, pure evil or something. It's like, I mean, I think I mentioned last time, like, it reminds me a little bit of, like, Ultron, of, like, Mm -hmm. the stated thing is, like, I mean, this is assuming you've seen the second Avengers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which I think Ultron was based off of a comic, so it's not that Joss Whedon was, like, oh, remember that Adam Peter did. But, But it reminds me of that, and, like, his stated aim is, like, I'm just curious, and, like, I'm, you know studying all these people and this is the conclusion that I've come to and like his actions manifest as more evil but then in the end it's like he also is just evil so it's like you know you start out one way yeah um, like and then it kind of just devolves into like demon of the week kind of right right so so I guess it's kind of similar to to me in that like they both start out with like a stated like claim about oh this is why I'm doing this but then it's really just lazy, evil writing. I don't yeah, know. because I just, because looking back on it now, there's no reason for him to have murder Walsh right off the bat. No. I don't know why, why he Why wouldn't that. he ask her all these exactly. questions about, he, like, and, who and am then, I? And like, how can he both know that she is his mother, but also not understand what a child is? You know what I mean? Where it's like, I get yeah. what he's trying to say with that whole, like, I wanted to see what he was like and blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I get what he's saying, but I don't, that's where it's like, well, are you super smart and you already know everything or do you know nothing? And this is how you're finding out about it because it seems like you're doing both at once and that well, because die for me. And because there's like this disconnect, it seems more like they just had Adam kill Professor Walsh so that for Buffy shock, could yeah. appear to be the suspect yeah, in and it. For shock and like, value. even though, even though like the normal people, like, or people thinking normally in this whole episode are like, no, it's the Pogari. Like this matches this right. demon that we just brought in. Like more than one person say that, like, even the doctor's admitting, like, the Pogari escaped and, like, because mm-hmm. he's not admitting that it's Adam. Right. 
or he doesn't maybe I mean I'm assuming he knows it's Adam but technically it is the Polgari weapon that's been doing I got the impression that he was actively still lying yeah but I it, it it starts to feel like Adam stabbing Professor Walsh in that way only exists so that there's then confusion over whether right, Buffy killed right. her. And which just, is, to me just seems like it's more for like plot contrivance than actual reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I which don't, is annoying because like <laughs> to have Professor Walsh around for like one more episode would have been pretty helpful. Yeah. I agree. But then she has to answer for her actions and there's not all this confusion and you know. I, I guess know. they still feel like they could have fit in an, um, a conversation between the two of them you know, some exposition <laughs> that Adam needs in order to understand what he's doing. If, if he got an answer from her and then decided that's all I needed from you and killed her, I think that would still make sense and be fairly shocking versus. I feel like that would make more sense. Exactly. You know, so, but, you know, but it is, I guess it is helpful in this episode that like Buffy isn't the only one who sees Adam, like Riley sees Adam, Forrest and not Forrest, the doctor, like he sees Adam, but then Adam kills him. Right. But like, so that when, when Xander's telling the initiative guys when they break into the room, like, there's a demon up there, like, Riley can say he's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. You know? like, because they're all willing to say, like, oh, yeah, sure, that's what you're saying. But, like, right. Buffy didn't stab Riley, you idiots. Yeah. Like, yeah. Shoot, I had another question about Adam, but now I kind of forgot. Uh, well, can we talk about Adam's super modern technology? Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, he has a floppy drive in his chest. Uh. <laughs> That apparently can handle multiple discs at one time. Uh, well, that and is high tech. Each each individual disc tells him about a specific person. Like he's got an Adam disc, he's got a Riley disc. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just like shoving floppy disks in his chest, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Get this guy a jump drive. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'll. This is like Adam. Uh, sorry, Adam. <laughs> Alex Theory Corner. Cause I, you know, I was watching this with Alex last night and he was like, he was like, this is my theory about Riley. <laughs> uh, it, he was saying that like, oh, maybe Professor Walsh's plan down the line was to use Riley as like the last piece of Adam as oh. uh, his conscience, like his conscience. Like it's, he's the I humanity mean, part of him. It's possible, or Adam makes it sound like, though, that she had a plan for them to work together. I agree with you, and I don't, well, I, yeah, but I just thought, like, oh, that is, but that is, is interesting. an interesting theory of what she might, what her end goal might have been. I agree. I mean, I, I think we're going to get, again, I think we get an explicit answer to this in a few episodes, but um, I did kind of like that idea of, like, oh, that's why Adam is so evil is because he was missing this final piece of humanity that he didn't have and that she was going to get it from Riley. If anything, that would have been better writing than what they're doing. Yeah, maybe that is what they should have done. I mean, this is the the general (laughs) problem with Adam is, like, we see him, like, he says he's, like, I'm part demon, part man, part machine. I mean, like, and look, if you look at him visually, like, Adam Mm -hmm. is a mess. Yeah. Like, (laughs) they literally just, like, slap pieces together and were like, this will work. And, like, but it kind of comes through of, like, also as a character, he's a mess. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like, he's, someone in the room was like, this is a really cool idea, We'll do like a Frankenstein thing, and the military creates it. But they never really thought through what they wanted him to be. I think no, like, and I mean, is, it's I also why not ultimately a, Adam fails as a villain. It's also but. not a very good examination of the Frankenstein monster. <laughs> that monster well, has very clear motives. It's not. He's not in. I love Frankenstein. I haven't read it in a while, but my recollection is that like he very clear, much like the Phantom, has been repeatedly betrayed and hurt by everyone around him. That's why he starts acting out. So it's like. You can't just be like, oh, he's like Frankenstein. He's just evil. Like, 
That's not what Frankenstein's about. Maybe in the movie yeah. he is, but... Which is why I think, like, you're right. They're trying to sort of nod to that with that scene with the little yeah. boy. But, it, it again, like, it's not... Like, it's sort of like, obligatory, I think in that case, but... It's like, yeah, I... But, like, write it in better. It, it's not, like, a case where, like, Adam doesn't know his own strength or, like, whatever. Right, it's right, like, right. You know, it's because Adam just wants to take this boy apart and see what's inside. <laughs> I guess it also rubs me the wrong way, though, because I do love Frankenstein the book, and I watched that movie, and it's like, I I know that it's like a cinematic classic, but I hated it. <laughs> it was so far from what the original material is about that I, like, got really annoyed. So I guess I'm also a little irked that, like, well, they're referencing the movie, but not the actual much better story. <laughs> yeah. So, Adam. Ugh, Adam. We will talk more about we'll Adam. talk about we him. We have to continue to deal with Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but this is, I think, just really quick, though, I do, like, I think I've kind of mentioned this before, where, you know, in the past, I had this thought about this season of, like, it doesn't always sit very highly in my rankings mm-hmm. of, like, the different seasons, and this watch through, I've been really interested to find that I'm actually yeah. more impressed with, like, the structure and the pacing, yeah. and I think this is a very well-constructed season, like, I'm actually, like, yeah. you know, I like, I miss the high school elements a little bit, but I think... It, like yeah. whatever you can't you can't stay in high school so you accepting that you're moving forward yeah. I think they've actually done yeah a great job I think like the the Riley setup was really good yeah. even the initiative like yeah it here yeah, and there was yeah. actually pretty good yeah but I think all of that comes together to make you think that this is headed in one direction and then it sort of goes that way in yeah. that the initiative overall is kind of the catalyst for like the ultimate big bad but like the fact that it devolves into like this standoff with like Adam yeah yeah it's very and unsatisfying. he's just not yeah. compelling and yeah. it's like I think that's the big failure of this season is this villain well and, and to your point the strengths of this season seem to be the pacing and the slow sowing of seeds and then they immediately throw that out the window when it gets to Adam where it's like, well, we don't need to explain to you anything about him or explain why he does these things that he's doing. So I think that's part of why it also is particularly jarring is because they've been so careful to set everything up and then all of a sudden just throw him in there without any explanation. And it's like, well, that's what I was enjoying about this season. Now you've ripped it out from under me. So, Yeah. And it's like, you know, hard to blame like one element, but like yeah. in this case, I, I want to. Like, I, I think you're right. And, but I totally <laughs> I'm just agree pointing with you. At you, and yeah. like, you, Adam, you are the problem. Yeah. And you're totally right though. But like, I'm enjoying this season so much more than I thought I would. And, or than I remember enjoying. And like, I really think these first 13 episodes, you know, now, now I think I, I don't remember the back half of the season super well, but I do feel like what that they really did it was the best case scenario for a transition out of a high school show into a different show. I think this is a really successful at that part, Mm -hmm. you know, like season four is doing a great job of straddling that line and transitioning them into adulthood rather. And I think like that, yeah, they've been so successful at that, that I like didn't even really realize how well they had done it, you know? (laughs) Well, and the unfortunate thing is like, now that we've had Adam, it's like, now I can very clearly like see like okay there are a handful of episodes coming up that I actually really love mm-hmm. that I think are great classic Buffy episodes, but they have nothing to do with Adam. And yeah. then when Adam's in the picture, then it's, it's like ugh, yeah, like you yeah. Know? And unfortunately, it's just going to be the case now for like the rest of the season where it's like yeah, good. Oh episode, my god, you're right. There are some good episode. episodes coming up. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> so yeah. Oh, we the just next have to accept that we are so in good. the Adam section. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, it's all right. I mean, we're getting some good Riley stuff. Like, I'm still, I think I'm, like, even with Riley falling apart in this episode, like, I think just watching the way, like, yeah, you can see the cracks, like, totally that are that are threatening to appear in their relationship, but that ultimately the foundation is, like, really stable. Yeah. And I'm like, God, like, it's even a- more Team Riley right now. Yeah, like, this I know. Is just, You're so like, right. Just so fun to watch Buffy be in a relationship that can withstand this kind of like well, drama. Well, yeah, and you're you're totally right about that. That it is because they had this slow build as friends, as like kind of curious, interested friends before they decided to commit to something, and then realized that they really felt strongly about each other. So it is. I, I think it makes sense. And again, as a viewer, it's like I am completely with Buffy on her. Like, oh my god, I, it's so hard to watch Riley unravel like this, especially knowing. I think the same way that Buffy kind of knows that like she knows he's a good guy and that he doesn't deserve any of this, that he hasn't really, he's, he's done everything right. And for him to be punished is like really painful and it's hard to watch him go through that. So I, I really get why she's like, you know, tucking him in in Xander's dingy basement and like breaking into the initiative to try and figure out a solution to what's wrong with him. Because like, it's really hard to see someone go through that, especially someone that they've built up in the same way, you know, in this way. Yeah. And you know, I think this, episode is a really interesting turning point for Riley too, where, you mm-hmm. know, like we're saying the name of the episode, Goodbye Iowa, is yeah. like, it is a real goodbye. Like Riley, I think we get some episodes where like, it seems like he's adjusting well and everything, but like ultimately the, the kind of the direction they take his character, you could see this is kind of like the catalyst yeah. for it, right? Yeah, where like, totally. he's really had his like idealistic dreams shattered yeah. here and it kind of takes its time to surface, but mm-hmm. it does take a toll on him, I think. Yeah. So. Um, which is why I think when we see him again in later seasons and he's like very happy and kind of doing what he thought he was right, going to be doing. Right. Like, it's like, it's just so nice to yeah, see. Yeah, you're because, right. Because like, as much as I hate the direction they take his character, on some level I understand what they were trying to do. Right. It's just another example of like a miss execution, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but hmm. we will get there. We will. Um, speaking, uh, not speaking of uh, I want to talk about a couple of fashion choices in this episode, <laughs> as we sometimes do. Um, the first two are simple. I love Buffy's yummy sushi pajamas. I would wear those, <laughs> wear those in a second. I hope to find some. Also, in that scene, Buff, uh, sorry, not Buffy. Xander's wearing a shirt that just says "I heart dirt" on it. Did yeah, you see I that? know, I and like, it's like six wow. lines yeah. of like "I heart dirt." It's like a baseball. <laughs> it's a baseball tee with like the like you know different color sleeves or whatever, and it just says "I heart dirt" like four or five times written across it. I was like, "What does that mean?" I is that because I it's a baseball tee, so it's supposed to be like he likes to slide home. I don't home? know. I don't know. Or he likes. To, I don't know. Then, or he's a construction guy. But is like that the why? fact that it was a heart. Why am I trying to figure this out? I don't know. I don't I don't know. know. It was so weird. I like literally around the scene. I was like, "I'm sorry." Does Xander's shirt say "I heart dirt" on it? Okay, whatever. That's fine. You wear what you want to wear, Xander. Um, but my favorite part is that Buffy was wearing that like kerchief, and that yes. was like I immediately I was like, oh my god, that's so like two thousand, that's so two thousand, and then I forgot that it like works its way into the plot. <laughs> so, oh, thank God, Buffy was wearing that kerchief so that she could bandage Riley's hand later, and that Riley has something to hold on yeah, to. Yeah, I mean, it is a sweet moment, but it just like. It's like if she did it with a scrunchie, you know, I was like, oh, why is this <laughs> here's, such, here's a, my headband such a to... dated piece of fashion for that to happen with? Like, I wish it had just been a scarf. But then it appears so intentional because like, so that she can have something to like bandage him with later. And then well, like it, when she's like, you know, it's, lamenting it's, that he has nothing to hold yeah. on to. And then we see the camera cut to him and he's just staring at this kerchief in his hand. 
It's true, but it's just like, I don't think at the time they knew what a passing piece of fashion that was going to be, you know? Like, if it was her t-shirt or, like, a scarf, it would have been more timeless, but, like... Uh. I just feel like they, this was a time where, like, scarf, kerchief, bandana type things were very in they were. either as, like, like, we've seen them as, like, Buffy wearing it as, like, a shirt, yeah. as a skirt, yeah. as, a, as a piece of headwear. It was, like, like literally, there's there must exist somewhere a photo of, like, some pop princess of the time oh, wearing, uh, like, head to toe. I have the 17 magazines to prove it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I do remember that when everybody was tying their hair back. with. uh, I could never get them to stay on. No. I had one bandana that worked for me, but I would wear that when I was working at the cafe in college. So I didn't wear it like out and about because it was like scroungy. Yeah, I couldn't get I mean, some people pulled it off pretty well, but you can see with this one, it's definitely that the, they've making the shift from like, oh, like a year ago or six months ago, okay, people were wearing like bandanas as like little kerchiefs in their hair. Now we've got hair pieces that are very intentional. Right, right. For it this just has a piece of elastic around look, it. It's not. Because it's yeah. like not, it's not a real bandana. Right, right, it's right, like right. a it's headband a thing that yeah. she ties. Totally. I was like really thinking, of, I went really no, totally. on this <laughs> kerchief thing. Because uh. like, you're right in that it's like, this especially I think on this watch through like I've been so aware of like oh dear god what were people wearing like the early aughts were just a horrible time I mean and this is the part where yeah the stuff in the earlier seasons when it's super 90s like I was a little bit too young to be and plus I was in a private school so we were wearing uniforms all the time like I wasn't I recognize a lot of those things and I admire them but like that wasn't a part of my life whereas like now we're at like I was in eighth grade or so when this was happening like I was subscribing to 17 magazine and flipping through the fashion magazines not to say that I was successfully wearing any of these things but I certainly wanted to (laughs) but these ones hit hit close to home (laughs) yeah I just do remember like these silhouettes the long skirts the quilted looks like there was like a very weird like sort of like prairie moment happening in fashion of like these like long skirts with like the quilt patterns and like the kerchiefs and like you know although I have to say I'm really liking Buffy's outfits with like the long skirts and the like kind of like bulky sweaters yeah yeah you're right it reminds me a little bit of like what people would wear now just like with like less pattern Mm -hmm. um but like that pink sweater she wore at the end I Mm -hmm. was like can I find one? Because I really want that like it's like a salmon-y pink with like a funnel neck I was very into it I have occasionally gone on some successful deep dives to find out what people were wearing in old TV shows, so maybe I'll find it for you. Um, (laughs) Oh, so one last thought about this. Uh, Not that we need another (laughs) excuse to, like, kind of hate on Doyle, but, uh, and again, this was sort of more something that Alex brought up than than was my own original thought, but in the Willie the Snitch, well, Willie the Snitch, (laughs) I think he is kind of a good a good example of maybe the type of character they were trying to write with Doyle and just like, again, like kind of how it it didn't work. (laughs) I guess I'm just, it's just a mean thing to say, but yeah, I don't know. You know, like Willie kind of has this like vintage slime ball thing going on about him that like, I don't necessarily want to see more of him, but I think he's better pulling off what they were trying to write. I think. No. Yeah. Like he kind of walks that line in a way yeah. Like, I understand better that he's a skis ball than I ever really did with Doyle. I don't because know. I, you know why? I think they have no problem committing to Willie being, a, like, a true, skis ball. True, true. But, like, they didn't want to, like, they wanted to walk that line yeah. of, like, Doyle's kind of skeezy, but you can't make him too skeezy because well, you want Cordelia to be into him. Exactly. And, like, I just feel like they never really chose what they wanted with Doyle, no. which is why it didn't work. But I guess I just think there's an alternate 
universe where like, oh, he's a lot more like this. Yeah. I'm not sure that it would have worked better or worse. I just think it's interesting that it's like, oh yeah, I can again kind of see how you were trying to write this character that was doing these things. And here we can see what it looks like when you do those things. And Doyle looked nothing like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do like that, you know, Willie, especially they're starting to sort of expand the recurring universe yeah, a little bit, yeah. I think, which is nice. Um, He's already been in a couple times. He has, but, but it's like, but like he coming back, like I feel like, especially in this season and the next one, especially, we yeah. start to kind of expand the world of the town a little bit. Well, more. in the world of demons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like this is the first time, like, you know, Buffy's been in this bar before, but this is probably the first time we've seen like other demons in there. Right. Um, we didn't talk about Spike right. getting kicked out of the bar. Right. <laughs> you say, find out he's been beating up other demons. Yeah. Uh. Um, I do love that scene where the um, initiative is searching Spike's crypt and he has to hide oh, yeah. underneath the other little skeleton yeah. thing. But then, like, Forrest just, like, breaks his TV just because. <laughs> like, what a dick. I mean, Spike totally deserves it, so whatever. I mean, that's true, but, <laughs> but, but he yeah. didn't do anything. <laughs> In that instance, he didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, okay, should we talk about Angel We now? should. Okay, so I think I had previously mentioned that this was an episode of Angel that I was really dreading watching yeah. because I remember it actually terrifying. <laughs> it's pretty scary. Um, it didn't okay. this time. I just like watched through and I was like, huh. Really like, I literally up. had no upsetting feelings or anything. <laughs> so it was kind of like a big moment for me. Um, either that or watching it in the daytime was actually an excellent idea. Mm-hmm which is what I did. Um, Okay, but this is the angel take on The Exorcist. Mm -hmm. So we open up, we see like a family like interacting and it seems really tense, but like we don't really know why. Like the family is acting kind of weird. They're like putting their kids to bed with like locks on the doors. Uh Um, And you're kind of like, okay, something's up. And then Cordelia gets a vision of like an address and like kind of this family. So Angel and Wesley go to check it out. And when they show up, Angel saves a little boy sleepwalking into the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Angel, like, gets invited into, di- like, to the, into the house and, like, chats with the parents a little bit. And he seems, like, he can kind of pick up on, like, something's wrong in this house, right? Um, they invite him back to dinner. So he accepts. But, like, meanwhile, while Angel's inside getting patched up by the mom and, like, investigating, mm-hmm. Wesley discovers there's, like, this secretion all over the, like, outside yeah. of the house that means that someone in the house is possessed by a demon. Um, they specifically say like it's an ethros demon. Mm-hmm. Um, so somehow they know exactly what it is. Um, and so Angel's like, okay, well I have to go back to the dinner and he bakes up some brownies with like some eucalyptus powder in it or something yeah. so that when he feeds it to the people at the dinner, like he determines that the little boy is actually the one possessed by the mm-hmm. demon. Um, and this is the boy that he had saved in the beginning. Um, so they all go back to Angel's to perform an exorcism on the little boy, um, which, you know, goes through, I think, t- pretty typical, like, exorcist beats of, like, the demon taunting people mm-hmm. and, like, you know, um, gets a little violent. But it eventually works. Um, they expel the demon, but there's, like, this box they're supposed to, like, trap the demon in and it doesn't fit the demon or mm-hmm. something. So so they, the demon basically escapes, so Angel and Wesley have to track it down. And when they do, like, they track it down and they do kill it. But before that, the demon tells them that, like, he was actually trying to get the little boy to kill himself because he, like, had possessed this little boy, but only to find that the boy was, like, empty. Like, right. there was no soul there. Like, so, the, so when, like, 
um, the demon had been sending messages during the exorcism of like, help me. Like, mm-hmm. like basically the little boy had been keeping the demon at, in check this whole time. Right. So again, they're kind of leaning on this like no soul equals evil thing. So Angel, you know, prior owner of no soul knows what this means. So he like rushes back to the house mm-hmm. in time to like find out that the boy has like set the house on fire and right. he saves the little girl from being burned alive and like saves everybody and like social services shows up. We get a brief scene with Kate to basically just remind us that she exists. Yeah. I kind of thought and we were done with her, but whatever. I, yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, okay. oh great. Yeah. Um, and then Angel and Cordelia also, I want to mention in the beginning of the episode, they have like a nice little chat where she's kind of encouraging him to express his feelings about Doyle's death right. and, um, you know, just open up a little bit. And I guess you can kind of see a little bit of that in his interactions with the family, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's basically the episode. I mean, I think it's a bit of a return to this like black and white of like, no soul equals evil, but like, it's an interesting take on it because we get a demon like afraid of like a small child. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, this isn't my favorite episode. This doesn't make me be like, oh, they finally, like, really hit their stride. But it was definitely, yeah. like, it, nothing about it really irked me. You know, wasn't, I didn't hate anything about this episode. It was fine. It's creepy. It is creepy. Um, and I agree with you that, like, I, I think it's an interesting take on that, on the, the, you know, on The Exorcist, I guess, frankly, on that same. It's pretty much as, not pretty much, but it, it is not far from the actual movie, The Exorcist. Um, they had several references to it which I enjoyed because <laughs> Cordelia outwardly mentions like, Oh, is he going to, is his head going to spin around? Is he going to vomit? Cause that's what happens in the movie, the exorcist. But also when they go looking for the priest, I don't know if they wrote this in there on purpose, but they must have, um, you know, they go to the, like to go find a priest to do the exorcism and they, and the nun, there's a nun there. And she tells them like, no, he died doing another exorcism. Like that. I think that was also a reference to the exorcist. Cause there is a priest that dies at the end of that movie. Well, we can kind of see how, because, like, Wesley's trying to do this and gets stabbed by the crucifix because he, like, gets too close to the demon because the demon gets under his skin a little Mm -hmm. bit. Well, but was it the demon? I guess that was the thing that I had a hard time sorting out was, like, then during those moments, I guess it was because Angel forced the demon to show itself. It Was he able to control the boy more? Because previously he kind of said, like, I couldn't even make him do anything. Yeah, I think what it was, was in that case, it's the demon. Okay. And, like, the demon is trying to, I mean, the demon's not cooperating, really. But, like, I, I have to wonder if, like, it's just the demon being a demon mm-hmm. also coming out. Like, the demon can't really help itself. Okay. Like, it's trying yeah. to escape, but it's also, like, yeah, or, 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 like, the demon is at the surface, and, like, now the boy has access to the demon's powers. Right. I, I thought know. about like, that, too. That's all a little bit fuzzy, like... I didn't really think about that, but you're right. Like, it doesn't make a lot of sense, like, the demon saying, help me, but also, like, stabbing Wesley. Right, like, because at that Wesley's point... Wesley's trying to help you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and one explanation, it would make sense if they were trying to, if he was trying to provoke them into killing him, but he also didn't Possibly, quite seem to, yeah. he didn't quite seem to be going that far either, so. Hmm. Well, anyway. Um, anyway, lots of calls to The Exorcist. It's actually a great movie. You should watch it. <laughs> Um, I probably shouldn't. I feel like you're not going to, but you should. Uh, I, I, I think predictably I kind of had mixed reactions to the Doyle stuff. Like the kind of that, you know, I, I appreciate that they are having this conversation about Doyle in the beginning, but it did feel kind of shoehorned in as like a way to make 
<laughs> this all connect. I don't know. I, again, I guess it's just because I have no emotional res, no Doyle provides no emotional resonance for me. So like even them name dropping him, I understand that it's a nice moment for Angel, but it didn't do much for me personally. And I do yeah, think that it, they were trying to draw more out of that by like Angel saving the day at the end. But even that was kind of like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it seems like it's going to be like a different setup, right? Where, cause Angel accidentally calls Wesley Doyle and, mm-hmm. um, and it seems like that's going to really be the issue, but it's like, not at all. It's just that he's like, not processing his grief yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it shocked me because I was more, I'm so used to now, like Wesley just kind of being part of it. Right. That I was like, oh, are we, are we still doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, it makes sense. Like, of course they're still processing it, but like, I was a little bit more taken aback. Because I haven't mentioned him in a few episodes, so it's like, I guess either we moved on or we didn't. It's kind of weird. In other ways, the the episode was very Wesley-focused, where, like, Wesley... Right. Where they're dropping these threads of, like, Wesley having a problematic father, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the demon is kind of taunting him as if he's his father, and, like... So it seems very Wesley-focused, and it seems like it's going to be Wesley's moment to, like, save the day and perform an exorcism. Yeah, yeah. And then Angel has to do it even though he can't even, like, touch a cross, which I, I didn't really love. Like, I was I like, I know I'm, the show is called Angel, but I was like, let Wesley do something. I know. Like, I kind of, you know. <laughs> I mean, we, I, I had part of this conversation last night, too. And I I see both ways, so I, I don't hate it. But, yeah, it's not my favorite. Because I, I guess it's, <laughs> I guess I really want this show to be called Wesley. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> want Wesley to be the star of the show he has brought so much to the show since like five episodes ago that like I'm obsessed with him but to that point I what I like about him not being able to pull it off is that I think it is believable in his character growth that like yeah a few episodes ago he was like tripping over himself and he like can't I I think it makes sense that he can't just immediately get everything right we saw him in season three of Buffy we know he's a little bit hapless even if he's growing into himself since meeting up with Angel I think he should still have moments where he stumbles. So like, again, if we're framing it through a strictly Wesley's lens, then I think it makes sense. And I think that it was a, it's a good like set moment for him. It, it, it's important that he had continues to have some failures. Uh, but then looking at it kind of from the bigger picture, I think it was a little bit annoying to the, like, Oh, it's just angel saves the day. Cause angel's always perfect. And angel's always right. It's a little bit like angel's kind of a Mary Sue. And like, sometimes it's annoying. Like, why does an angel ever ever stumble? Why isn't he ever making mistakes? Like, so I guess I feel both ways about it. I both liked it and I didn't like it. But that said, I obviously loved any hints or suggestions about Wesley's childhood and Wesley's greater personality. <laughs> yeah, I I really want the Wesley spinoff that like never happens. Yes, Ugh. I would. I mean, he sort of is going to transition into the lead character eventually, but like not never. I don't know. I don't. I don't, frankly, I don't remember that stuff that well. You know what? That's an interesting point. And like, we'll talk about it as it happens, but I think you're not wrong. Like, I think somehow Wesley as a character ends up somehow like surpassing the main character of his, you know, Mm -hmm. in his own show, which is like a little bit, I wonder if there was some sort of like internal, like Hmm. drama over that. Because like, if I'm David Boreanaz and like, you know, the best character on my show is not my character. Yeah. (laughs) but, but I, or is I, he maybe, trying to get written out of the show because he wants to go do bigger and better things? So he's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. So. Well, we'll have to look I mean, into that more as it, yeah, as it happens. It's not going to be for a while. Yeah. Well, like, and Wesley's there, like, until the end. So, like, obviously yeah. that wasn't, like, a thing. But, like, I just, you're right in that Wesley, in my mind, in the later seasons especially, is, like, well, also because of some of the plot 
the way it goes. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he is, like, in charge, right? Yeah. And so it's, like, kind of the Wesley show, but it's still Angel. And yeah. Angel's always the least interesting thing well, about Well, exactly. Show. And I guess I just, for myself, I'm, I'm sure we've said this before or or we've made some sort of similar point, but I, I do think that a little bit one of the problems with Angel, especially as a lead character, is that he doesn't have he has one source of conflict, but he doesn't fail. And I think that sometimes makes him a little boring. I mean, Buffy also doesn't fail that much, but I guess for me as the viewer, I've already got one show where somebody's almost, a, she's almost perfect as a superhero, but she has a lot of personal failings. Whereas with Angel, it's like, I don't, he doesn't stumble that much. So it does kind of make him boring sometimes. He's a little bit too perfect. Well, I think for you with Buffy is like, she doesn't fail, but also, like, she's constantly being told how wrong she right, is. Right, right, that's people. true. So, that's like, true. you're, like, yeah. totally there for that, Right, I think, right, you're, you're like, right, you're right. You know, but, like, No Angel one's telling Angel he's wrong. Same, like, no one's always telling Angel, like, how wrong If anything, he they're is. always like, waiting for Angel to step in as soon as something goes wrong. Exactly. Oh, interesting. I think that might be the difference. But. I think you're right. <laughs> so, can we talk about the parents in this episode? Uh, because they drove me up the freaking wait, wall. we can, but I just... <laughs> yes, we can. Okay. No, 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 we can. I don't get what they weren't understanding about this. Like, your son is possessed. This is not your son. Like, it's very clear. Like, look at his face. And, like, the mom is like, I have to go to him. Well, yeah. I mean. I was, like, honestly ready for her to die because I was like, just shut up. Like, this is extremely annoying. Yeah. But I guess to the, I guess what does kind of complicate things is us knowing that he was always this way. It wasn't just since he's been possessed. And he's. I don't remember, they, I'm sure they said how long the demon had been there, but like a couple years the demon had been there. But I think this kid had been causing problems since before then. Yeah. So I think that a little bit it is hard for them to believe that it, I, I don't know, I guess there is a little but bit. But they didn't of, know that right. it was their son. They were assuming that he was behaving that way because of the demon. That's true. So like. That's true. For her to be like, oh, I have to go to him or whatever. It's like, no, your son is being exercised. Like listen yeah, to the, yeah. the people in charge and like, you know, it's just. I don't know. That whole thing annoyed me. It's like that horror trope of like people doing really right. dumb things just because the plot demands <laughs> yeah, it, right, not because right. like that's what they would do. Right. But I do feel so. really bad for them because there is kind of this whole setup that they're going to get some relief only to at the end find out that they were in even a, maybe even a worse situation now than they were before. Yeah. Ugh. Although they saved their daughter's life, so. True. But I can imagine how painful it would be to have Angel come in there and tell you, no, it's a demon that's causing this, and I'm going to make it go away and solve all of your problems. And at the end, it didn't solve any of your problems. Yeah. That would be pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. I mean, I do kind of like this, like... I I, I wish... I, I both... <laughs> oh, why am I struggling to say this so much? I agree as our kind of general point that, like, when they hit this, like, soul idea too hard... It ultimately just, if we look at it closer, it's going to not make any sense. So like to that end, I mean, I wish they hadn't necessarily put this in terms of having a soul or not having a soul, but I do think it's an interesting idea because like, I I feel like this kid, you know, psychopaths are a thing that do exist in the world. So it's not, un- it is a realistic story that somebody could be as evil or more evil than the demons kind of without their help. I don't know. I guess I am. I do think that that is an interesting, like, seed of an idea that they plant in this episode. Even though they don't really go far with it. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, when the demon says... It's a great moment when the demon is like, what soul? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and everybody's kind of like, wait, what? But, like, again, this is, like, going back to, like, they... It's sort of... 
in a way that Angel we've talked about actually improves on mm-hmm. the Buffy line of black, white, right. soul good, you know, no soul bad. Like Angel kind of, you know, grays that out a little bit yeah. in, a, in a nice way. This sort of feels like a reversion to I think it, soul good, not. And, I, and, I, and I, But I wish that they had kind of like gone more towards like, the, the like psychopath right like, if they had just used those words I think they're trying so yeah. hard to make it supernatural that they put it in these other terms and then it doesn't really make sense because as much I think you're, you're right a little bit that it's a regression but I also think that it's not because in Buffy also this assumption is all humans are good or have souls yeah. whereas here it's kind of like well also humans can be evil so I think it's both improving on the idea and kind of like muddying it up as it always does when they use the word soul. If they would just stop using that word, I think we could kind of navigate this a little clean, more cleanly. But yeah, yeah. I mean the demons describing this kid is like an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. So I don't, yeah, it's, it's all very like, you know, when they try to mut like mush together, like yeah, the 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 um, supernatural and like the psycho stuff, right. like it's the psychological stuff. It's a little bit like it doesn't quite mesh yeah. very well. Because I think they also don't have a very good understanding of the psychological, <laughs> like scientific explanations of these things. So then when they try and like, oh yeah, it's like this, except monsters. It's like, well, you kind of misunderstood parts of that. So yeah. I think that maybe is also a little bit of the issue. Yeah. Although, God, how tragic would it be for that little girl to burn to death because she got two more marshmallows I know. than her brother? Oh. Although that is a great beat because, like, that is the kind of thing that, like, would set a kid off. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you got two more marshmallows than me. Yeah. I don't remember how much more we get into Wesley's backstory, but it seems like we might get more. Is his dad? Well, I mean, don't tell me. But I, I, I have a thing where I think his dad... Comes back? Comes? Comes. Okay. I, so I, I don't, don't know. No, I was trying really hard to remember. Me because, too. like that this episode kind of set off all kinds of alarm bells mm-hmm. in my head, but I I honestly couldn't. And then the next episode of Angel is called The Prodigal, and I was like, oh, maybe this is like a continuation of that, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's about Kate. Ugh, is that the last Kate one, I finally? I really hope so, but I don't know. I think it is. I feel, uh, well, okay, whatever. I have a memory of how her story ends, but I don't, it's vague. <laughs> Well, I guess what I want to say is that every episode is about Wesley if you want it to be. <laughs> and this episode was no exception. <laughs> it's just, we're watching an alternate show called Wesley. Wesley. Yeah, my show is called Wesley and it's great now. <laughs> or maybe it's called Watchers. Oh, that's a much know. better name. You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, next time on Watcher. Yes. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good episode, a good name for a podcast too. Our podcast. The Watchers? Yeah. That probably exists. I think there is one called Watcher's Council. Mm. No, I yeah. like just the Watcher's better. It's like a play yeah. on Slayer, which was the kind of alternate name for Buffy. Anyway. Uh, which is what I think we said should be the name for the, the reboot. Yeah, yes. <laughs> We're great at coming up with TV titles, guys. <laughs> yeah. Hire us. Just kidding. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so next time we've got... Um, this year's girl <gasps> on Buffy. Yeah. So very excited. I am excited for, for the next run of Buffy. Yeah. I forgot. Then, I kind of forgot about that. I've been so focused on Adam and all the things he was going to do that annoy me that I forgot there's like several other subplots that are going to go on that I'm super psyched about. Where Buffy's about to go on a very good run. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. And, and it has nothing to do with Adam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, you're right. Those are some of my favorite yeah. episodes in the whole show. Yeah. Yay. Um, 
especially in like three episodes, we get one of my very favorites. Mm-hmm. So very excited. Um, and then um, and then we get your favorite, <laughs> which is like the haunted house thing. Um, Wait, in Buffy? Oh, yeah. oh God. That's <laughs> not my favorite, <laughs> but fine. <laughs> I know you love to hate it. Uh, um, everyone loves to hate it. It's a weird episode. Yeah. And then on Angel, like I said, we've got the prodigal next week, which has to do with Kate. So that's all I'm going to say. So probably it's not going to be great. Although, who knows? Maybe maybe it'll surprise us. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, You're right. God, there are so many good episodes of Buffy coming up. Mm-hmm, oh, superstar. Mm-hmm. Oh. This season overall, for, for kind You're of right. going out on like a, a dud of a villain, it is strong. The, on this, in, yeah, all these individual plot lines are really strong. Yeah. Just not the major villain. Yeah, if we take the initiative out of it, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you have any pop culture wrecks, or did I steal those? Well, yeah, I'm going to say that you did. I have another thing, but I didn't think about it enough, and I want to. I just want to have my thoughts together. So, yeah, if you guys ever heard of Phantom of the Opera, it's this great new musical. <laughs> I don't think it's very popular, so probably no one's heard of it, but if you haven't listened to it, I would check it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll be mine. What about you? Um, so I just want to mention this, uh, documentary, I don't know if it's a documentary, it's a show that was on Netflix that I watched, and it's only, like, four episodes, mm-hmm. so very easy to watch, called The World's Most Extraordinary Home. Oh, yeah, I see, I get ads for that a lot on Netflix, not ads, but. Uh, it's amazing, it's basically house porn. Okay. Like, it's, like, these massive, like, funky architectural wonders that people build okay. into, like, into the ground or in the trees or like, mm-hmm. you know, in between the trees and like on the coast. So they, they have like four sections. So there's like mountain, forest, coast, and I think underground. Okay. Um, a lot of these homes are in New Zealand. A lot of them are in California. Mm. Like they're traveling different places, but there's just some really cool houses out there. But like, you know, then they interview the people and it's always like their vacation home or their retirement Mm -hmm. home. And like, these are people with like a shit ton of money, but like, um, they talk to the architects sometimes and it's like the people, the two people in the cast, it's like an architect and then like this like British comedian or something. But their interactions are great. Like they tease and banter with each other and like, they, they totally geek out over these houses. Mm-hmm. Like, the first few minutes are always like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And then <laughs> there's a great one where they go in one house. I think it's in the – I forget if it was, like, mountain or coast or whichever it was. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, a really high-tech home. Okay. And they, like, cannot figure out how to make a cup of tea. And it's, like, <laughs> the best, the best. <laughs> like – I identified so much because, like, every time I travel to, like, another country and I try to use, like, an oven, I, like, not do it. So I was like, no, I, I totally know where you guys That's are funny. coming from. Um, like, I think at one point he, like, puts, like, hot water from the faucet in a cup. <laughs> He's like, here you go. Because um, sometimes they get to stay at the house. Um, sometimes they're just kind of wandering through for that mm-hmm. afternoon. Um, it's really cool. It's just a really fun, like, I would say you could put it on in the background, but like, you don't want to, cause yeah. you want to like see what's happening, but it's only like four episodes. Yeah, so, so it's, it's not, really watchable. Yeah. Um, it was just a nice little like gem, I think hmm. on Netflix. Yeah. I heard somebody else mentioned good things about it or maybe it was you, but I think somebody no, else in our I think chat one was one of our friends had mentioned yeah. it and I was like, oh, I keep getting ads for this. Yeah. What is this? And then I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's great. Um, I know everybody's talking about like 
the cult documentaries on Netflix, but maybe this is like a antidote to that. There's cult documentaries? God, I'm behind. There's like some cult documentary like called Wild Wild Country mm. or something that I keep seeing all this stuff about. So I actually really I still um, really need to go watch the one about serial killers. That's a it's not a documentary though. That yeah, was a Netflix show, wasn't it? God, what is it called? Oh, Mind, the one Mind about, um, about the Unabomber? No, it Mind Hunters, I think. I thought it was a Netflix yeah. show. I thought it was about several oh. serial killers, not just one. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, I got a lot of TV to watch. What do you, what am I, what are you going to do? It's just, you know, I've, I've kind of accepted that, like, I just watch less TV now mm. and because I want to read more mm-hmm. and like, you can't do both. Like, and I'm okay with it, you know, like yeah. one day, Jenny, I'll watch Tara's house, but <laughs> the moment will be gone. No, it yeah. won't. That season will always be good, I think. The other seasons, they, they just started, a new, or they just finally launched a new one um, and started airing it in the U.S. It's been out in Japan for, like, two months, which is annoying, but um, I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to watch it with some friends in another week. Cool. Well, maybe you can let us know how that yeah. is. Yeah. Okay, so what team are you on this week? I'm Team Riley, because he needs it. <laughs> yeah. And because I, I support you know him. What? I had a really hard time with this because, like, I want to be Team Riley, but I also feel like Riley is really hard to sort of, like, ship this week. Mm. Like, I feel really bad for him, but I also, like, I I want him to power through it. He's going through some rough times. Yeah, but I think I also kind of want to be Team Wesley. Well, that's fine. Again, it's always Team Wesley around here now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Just because, like, he really tried to step forward with this exorcism thing, and, like, he failed, but, like, you know... It's not going to stop him. He's really embracing, like, this group and this team and, like, trying (sighs) to be there and help them, and I really appreciate that. We're going to write a thesis about Wesley by the time this is done, (laughs) about, like, Wesley is the glue that holds Angel together, and the show would be nothing without him. That's my... And he has the best character arc of any character... I mean, Cordelia is sort of alongside, except I don't love what they Well, they just kind of, yeah, they're going to kind of screw her at the end, but. Yeah. Um, Cordelia does not get the send-off she deserves, no. but um, anyway, okay. that's for a much later <laughs> I will talk to you next time. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Once More with Commentary is produced by me, Allie. And me, Ginny. Our theme music is from the album Rockingham by Nerf Herder. And our podcast logo is by Ryan Cooney. You can email us at scoobies at oncemorewithcommentary.com with any feedback, questions, comments that you have, and find us on Twitter and Instagram at omwcpodcast. You can also find our most recent episodes and any show notes at oncemorewithcommentary.com.